G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. Hello, everyone. It's Jen Frost here from the Reality Check podcast. And Tim Henry from The Grass is Greener. Tim and I have come together once again and we are so excited to release our series all about kickstarting your 2022. We're diving right into a whole lot of topics, taking them head on and we know that they're going to be topics to get you fired up in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. This is all about decoding these financial aspects of our lives that we really just want to get on top of and rest easy at night. So, Tim, I am super excited to launch into the next episode. Let's get started. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Reality Check and The Grass is Greener coming together to kickstart your 2022. Hello Timothy, how are you? Hey Jen, how are you going? I am very, very well. And Yes, I'm really happy to be back. I'm thrilled. I'm super excited about both for our audience and for me personally kickstarting my 2022 and, and getting off on the right foot. Yeah, I agree. It is super important because I think at the end of the day, we know that New Year's resolutions are made often to be broken, but I hope (laughs) that our darling audience can actually pick up some really good tips. Well, hopefully they're still alive at this stage. (laughs) Well, this episode today, I'm going to call it right up front, Tim, this isn't necessarily the most hilarious of topics, but... And it feels big to say because we're we're tackling a lot of big stuff over this series. I would ha- I, I would I would throw it out there that this may be one of the most important. I think it's something that everyone really needs to listen to and everyone really needs to act upon. Yeah, absolutely. Estate planning, or you know, getting your wheels, powers of attorney, and and all your affairs um, structured in case something either, you know, detrimental, you can't make decisions when you're still alive or you actually do pass away prematurely. Um, It's an interesting one because I think when we see our clients that get it done, it's a a really easy one for all of us to avoid, but um, it's a really good feel, good factor when you actually make those deliberate decisions and get them in writing and and you know that it's rock solid. And I think let's call this, Tim, it is an incredibly selfless act in many ways to get this into place because without meaning to be entirely crass about it, you're, you're gone. You, if you have passed away, then it's not you that necessarily suffers the consequences of these things not being in place. It is the people you love the very most. And it is at the time of their greatest despair and their greatest, um, challenges that they then have the additional burden of, of dealing with some of these sorts of things. So I, I think, think the interesting thing you're saying there, Jen, um, and it's you can't help but be blunt on this topic, unfortunately, because yeah. um, death is blunt. But I really liken it to simply, look, there's, there's decisions that you've got to make when doing wills and powers of attorney that they're challenging decisions. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying they're easy. 
But basically, you've got two alternatives. You either sort through those yourself or defer them to someone else mm. later on um, mm. to solve that problem because you didn't solve it. Um, so I think when most people view it like that, they say, look, yeah, I, I need to do this. And, and they generally feel good for doing it. I, I agree. And and as you said, there's two sides to this. This is ensuring that your wishes are followed. So there is a, it is a yeah. selfish aspect of that, but that's fine. It's, it's you get mm. to choose Why where not? this all goes. Absolutely. It's your life. And in turn, ensuring that those that are left behind don't have the burden, which can be very high financial impact from both yeah. a tax and a, and a fees perspective, making sure that they don't have to deal with that in the event. So, Tim, I want to start right at the beginning. So first things first, I I do people, by the way, have this all in place, but I <laughs> am an audience member and I do not have a will. I, I do not have powers of attorney. I do not have guardianship for my children set up. Who do I go and see? Well, most people would go and see a solicitor and they're going to see a a lot of solicitors do do this work. Not all solicitors do. Uh, some solicitors specialise in estate planning matters. Mm. And I probably, personally, I would lean to someone that does specialise in it because we, as financial advisors, we've we've been helping our clients navigate this with, with um, online solicitors that we work with. But we've been trained by um, a great person by the name of Tara Lukey and what we've learned from her over the years, it's a very specialised mm. um, uh, bit of work, even from from a solicitor point of view. So um, I, I generally would, would think it, if you're going to get it done properly, uh, go and see an estate planning solicitor. Yeah. And tell me, so let's look at the will first. What, I, what yeah. is a will and perhaps what are kind of the key things in fact, no, Tim, I, can I stop there? I'm, I'm going to pull myself back. You can edit that out later yeah. if you want to. <laughs> I, I actually want to go back a step further from this. We know that almost 50% of Australians don't have a will in place. In fact, 25% of people have a valid will in place. Wow. Okay. You've yeah. got better stats than me. Yeah. T- only 25% there's, Yeah, there's 25% that say they have a uh, an up-to-date will, yeah. there's about 16% that have a will but they know it's out of date, but they haven't sorted it out. Yeah, and that um, in itself is a risky, risky place to be in. So if you're one of those yeah. and you're listening in today, please put this to the top of your to-do list for 2022 because it, having an out-of-date will really just ensures that it goes somewhere that it shouldn't because, yeah, th- possibly, th- yeah. you know, those directions are going to be followed. So absolutely. I'll give you another. Can I give you another? I can't help but give these stats because they are uh, they're pretty shocking. The other one which is amazing is that of the 25% that do have a valid will um, and who have children under the age of 18, um, 60% of those people have not made a guardianship nomination for their child if they weren't around. So again, that even the people that have got wills haven't um, taken it all away and had that done properly. Yeah, and I think we really need to crack into that specific topic in yeah. this episode, Tim, because as a mother of of two beautiful girls and and yeah. you are a father, and it is it is hard work even contemplating this subject matter. I cannot, with my children in the same room as me 
emotionally get my head into the space that is who would look after my children if I died tomorrow. And I think one of the things that it can be a bit of a um, a myth is people think, oh, well, probably something would get sorted out. Um, and what our, our good mate Tara says all the time is you do actually, yes, you do have an estate plan. The government has a default one for anyone that doesn't um, have this in place. So you're going to let them run it yeah. effectively. And we, I don't know how everyone's feeling about the, the governments in their life over the last couple of years, but you do want them running this show for you? And I don't think so. No, absolutely. So let's let's go back one step. We know that people haven't got these in place. Why? What, what do you think are the kind of the key detractors? Uh, I think the barriers, look, it's not the most enjoyable job to do, let's be honest. Right. I mean, it's, it's confronting. It's morbid. Yeah, it's upsetting. It's morbid. It can be upsetting. Um, some cultures especially feel it's bad luck to talk about death. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Absolutely. feel like that's going to encourage death. Um, but I'd, I think more than anything, it's just um, I don't quite understand how it works. I'm not really sure who I would want my child to go to if I wasn't here. That's a, one of the, I think for mums especially, we, we see that as a big barrier for them getting mm. it done. Mm. They're probably happy with all the other decisions. Who's the executor of my will and all that. They're probably happy with that. They just can't make a decision on that and it holds everything up. Yeah. Um, generally, it's not cost. It is actually just putting the effort in and confronting those difficult discussions about yep. what happens if I die, what happens if I, I've got dementia, what happens if I get hit by a car and, mm. um, you know, I'm incapacitated. I mean, they're not easy discussions, but um, confronting and, them is the only way. Yeah, and I think that's the thing because to trust someone in a way that enables them to make all your financial decisions, all your medical decisions, yeah. look after your children, you know, that is just next level, isn't it? Because yeah. that is a, a very hard thing to to really comprehend, let alone put into paper. Tim, can I add a, a barrier um, and this is one that I had personally because I did my estate planning, did, revised it all, put a whole pile of of great new structures into place, um, late two thousand and twenty, and I can be honest with you and tell you that it has taken me eleven months to get it all signed because yep. there are, s- are legal requirements around witnesses and everything. Yes, that's right. That is unavoidable. Mm. Face into it, guys. When you when you do some of this, it is from a signing perspective, it yep. can feel hard to execute because you've got to have the right people signing it. But but the solicitors can help you with that and you've just got to do it, just get it done. And it is also, I have to say, probably a very archaic type um, system. Mm, so agreed. like, you know, while a lot of the world's moved to digital signing and all this sort of thing, this is still in the old school must be signed with the same pen, must Absolutely. be witnessed by a JP. Yeah. All these types of thing and must be originals and all that sort of thing. So yeah, um, it, that's a challenge for people too. Yeah. All right, let's launch into it because I want to really nut out what we need to think about and what we need to get in place cool. here. So let's start with a will. Let's start with a will, the most common perhaps known. Yep. So what's the point of a will? What do we need to think about? Well, I think as simple as let, let's keep it simple and say it's a, it's about how your assets are distributed Upon your death. Yep. Um, you can include other things in there like the guardianship of your, your children and that sort of thing. But 
at the bottom line is where do my where do I want my assets to flow to? Yeah, and I the thing I'd like to call out in this one that a solicitor, an estate planning solicitor that I have a relationship with, told me. People often avoid getting these wheels done because they think, right, I need to I need to get into the nitty-gritty nitty with this, i.e. Yeah. that piece of artwork, well, that's going to young Jack and this, yeah. you know, this piece of furniture, well, that can go to, to wee little Susie. Actually, and the, the advice from this solicitor specifically was unless you really desperately want to do this, don't try and control things from the grave. No, you don't need to do that. It's just, it, Look, the stock standard situation, which they call an I love you will, which is a standard will, is wife leaves her assets to the husband. Yep. Husband leaves his assets to the wife. Yep. If they both passed away at the same time, the assets would go to, to the kids. kids. Exactly right. Um, in equal proportions. I mean, that that's the most basic version. That's exactly right. Um, and, and, then, and it's then taking a lot of your cases, estate as a whole as opposed to trying to handle right. little things. Yeah. yeah. And and then separate to that outside the will, you can, there are documents like a letter of wishes where you, if, you, if there are special things of sentimental value that you'd like one of the kids to have or someone to have, you can write that in there. Yep. Yeah, let's talk about the letter of wishes. So so we've done will and we know that that is primarily to say how is my estate going to That's the legal document. Yep, yep. That's the legal document. So let's talk about a letter of wishes. I, I reckon a lot of our audience may not have heard of that. I've obviously, I would yeah. suggest people go back and listen to previous episodes of The Grass is Greener because we spoke about Yeah, these. well, we did have a great guest. So one of our most popular episodes in 2021 was with uh, an estate planning solicitor, Lucy Percy. Um, she runs a business called Head and Heart Estate Planning and she really is heart-led with this and she really is passionate about the letter of wishes because what a letter of wishes is, it's a, it's a structured letter that sits alongside the will um, it's not l- legally binding, but the executor, if you've chosen your executors well, they're going to want to carry out your wishes and it allows you to express all those things that you would love to see mm-hmm. happen with either with the money or the, the way the kids are going to be raised or what schools they're going to go to or uh, all those types of things. And I really feel like the letter of wishes should be the leading um, document because this is what with that emotion, we we come up against it every episode, don't we? Mm. It's the emotions that lead us. Absolutely. Um, and if once we are able to get in touch with those emotions on all of that, yeah, the structural document on who gets what becomes really basic. Um, yep. So I, the letter of wishes is a fantastic document uh, to be able to put all those thoughts on paper. Yeah, I love that. And one of the ones that um, I know... Um, mattered a lot to some of my close family members is funeral arrangements. Yeah. You know, um, some people couldn't care less what happens at their funeral. Some people really could care. And, yeah. and in fact, the one that was a very explicit instruction for one of my family members was please do not spend any money on it. On the, right. You know, well, you uh, my wish yeah. my wish is that you have a party and a lovely time and reflect on me but yeah. I do not need you spending thousands of dollars on a box and putting me under the ground. I, yeah. I don't want that to happen. And and I thought that's lovely and that's important that yeah. some of those things are put forward in a letter of wishes. Tim, what about guardianship? We've mentioned it a few times. Can we really hone in on that one? Because I think it's yes. fundamentally important. 
Well, that does reside in the will. So you do make an actual uh, election for a guardian. So that's in a situation, assuming uh, that husband and wife are together and something happened to them both at the same time. Mm-hmm. When I say something happened, they're both killed. Or they're incapacitated to the point where they can't look after the kids. Who would be the guardians? Who who are the people you've nominated? Again, not an easy, probably the biggest decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of emotions come into that because you sort of think, oh, you know, how would how would Jen react if I had didn't leave the kids to her, and I've left them to my other friend or or one sister over another? Um, what I say to people quite a lot is. And I know Tara uh, definitely would say this, is if you don't elect someone, um, the entire family is going to be around that kitchen table trying to work that out mm-hmm. later on. Mm-hmm. And it might sound a bit harsh, Jen, but I normally say to my clients, particularly the female client, um, your mother-in-law is going to be sitting at that table and she's <laughs> going to be, she thinks that she's getting the kids. So... Um, <laughs> you got a choice here. You can uh, make that election. Yeah, and I, I oh God, honestly, I, I'm a mum and I have two young. <laughs> I have two young kids and this conversation makes me teary because the thought of leaving yeah. them behind is just so gut-wrenching and I don't want anyone else to look after them because they're mine, no. you know, so I don't want to think about it, let alone I don't want to put it down on paper. But you need to. Please do yeah. that this year. Please make sure. Now, I also would like to. But call it's highly out... unlikely it's going to happen, Jen. So exactly. this is your exactly. this is your opportunity to to say what you want to have happen. Yeah. So if you say nothing, you're leaving it to. Yeah, you're leaving whatever. it. Yeah. yeah, and and you're leaving it open. Can I also comment, Tim? This is direct feedback from a lot of the reality check audience. Um, I think this is also probably the key area of wills that can change drastically over the years. Yeah, you know, so just be aware of who you have nominated as the guardian in your will, and yeah. as the years go on, and while you still have underage children, is that still relevant? Now, now, let me be specific. Often, as very young parents, we nominate our parents. We do. That's a really common guardianship nomination. Now, ten years can pass, and a lot can change in the age, health, um, and ability of our parents. So being acutely aware of whether that guardianship is still accurate yeah. and, and, and making the effort to, to update it where it isn't is really fundamentally important. And I think what's important there, you've just reminded me to say that anywhere along the line, once you've actually got a will in place or powers of attorney in place, altering them or fine-tuning them with different names is not hard. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Just, well, just an adjustment. Yeah. And, and that's a big one. So don't let that overwhelm you. If you've got a will in no. place, fixing it, tweaking it, updating it, don't don't think that that's too hard. Do it today. Uh, one thing I just want to mention, Jen, it's a great resource for people. Yeah. I know we don't normally do too many plugs, but Lucy Percy from Head and Heart Estate Planning, she does actually do a video course to educate people on estate planning and you can buy that. I think it's $149. But as a bit of a teaser to that, she has a free version which is about the guardianship and and choosing someone there and and that is a great free resource. Yeah. So uh, we'll put a link to that um, but you can find that on her website at Head and Heart Estate Planning.
Yeah, thanks, Tim. That, that's an important one because I think, as we said, it's just overwhelming. Now, Tim, yeah. you mentioned the term power of attorney then, and we know we've got yes. both a financial power of attorney and a medical decision maker, a medical power of attorney. Can you just briefly sort of explain those and why they're important? Well, I think the first distinction is because these documents start getting confusing is so wills deal with death, uh, powers of attorney don't deal with death at all. It's it's in the situation where you're alive but you, for some reason, can't make decisions. Now, it, that could be as simple as I'm, you're out of the country mm. um, and can't get a signature to someone. Um, it could be it's the cases that we generally see is someone's incapacitated, they're sick in hospital, very sick, or they've got might be diagnosed with dementia or dementia. something like that and they need someone to help manage their affairs now interestingly with things like dementia once you've been diagnosed with dementia to a certain level you're not allowed to create any of these documents because you're not no longer of sound mind so you've got to have it in place beforehand so it's nominating people who you trust to run your financial affairs nominating people who you trust to make medical decisions on your behalf if you're unable to in yourself yeah and again let's just call this out this is not complicated stuff it is emotional and it yeah. feels heavy, right? Like, yeah. again, who do I trust to make financial decisions in my life if I can't? Who do I trust to make medical decisions about me and my body, yeah. right? In, and in the – let's just go back to the stock standard, you know, probably more than half of the people yes. have this version. Yep. Husband and wife are going to be each other's power of attorney. Totally. And, and then they're That's... going to have a couple of backups. Yeah. Just people they trust. Exactly. Family right. or friends that they trust, to, to, that they know can look, they can look in the eye and they go, they'll do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely, Tim. So, no harder than that. And 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 I think this is a, is a great way of us really summarising this episode. So we've spoken about wills. We've spoken about guardianship of our children, powers of attorney, medical power of attorney, medical nominations. Um, finally, I think let's let's just perhaps wrap this up into, you know, why some of this is really important. And I felt this was something I learnt only really in the last couple of years that because because we think, okay, well, it's fine. I'll, I've got a basic will and, and everything will yeah. go to my kids or to my husband. But there's a little bit more to it than that, isn't there? And, and it was when I started to learn about things like testamentary trusts that it all kind of started to, to make sense to me yes. and why we perhaps need the guidance of someone like a dedicated, specialised solicitor to yeah. do this. Well, again, it comes back to those wishes. Um, so uh, the the I love you will, uh, the stock standard will, it's going to pay those assets to the people that you've nominated and they don't have a choice. They're receiving those assets. So in the situation where... Um, the recipient of those assets might be living in a de facto relationship. If it was, say, a child, an older adult child, they're going to receive those assets that are now in a shared environment because they're de facto. Um, it might be that um, one of the biggest things is that if uh, one of a husband and wife passed away, um, a number of years down the track and that person remarries, they take all those assets with them into that relationship. Um, they're on the table for, to be divided if that relationship doesn't succeed. 
So what a testamentary trust does is it, it crea- upon someone's death, the will creates, has an instruction to create a trust, which is a protected pot of money. The other person is still in control of that pot, but they don't personally own it. Mm. They, they can own it if they draw the money out, but they can choose not to if they're in situations where it's better for them not to own it. So it just gives a lot of flexibility and you know, a bit like that, probably harsh, I sort of hate to use that example on the mother-in-law before, but a little bit similar to this is, you know, I do say that, um, you know, if someone's going to remarry um, down the track after you've passed away, Mm. um, do you want that person getting their hands on your kid's inheritance? And but most people are going to say, no way. Yeah. And, and and I think that's exactly it. This is setting up a structure to safeguard the yeah. the nominated beneficiaries of your estate to ensure that they get it. And from a yeah. tax perspective, that it's most effective from an really ownership good for that perspective. Too. Yeah. Mm. So Tim, we, we've, we've smashed out a lot t- today. Let's sort of summarize this. I think it's just, it, it's an icky topic. It makes you feel a bit emotional you know, I don't want to think about it, but we would really, really appeal to people to really take on this as one yeah. of the major aspects of their life to, to really kickstart 2022 and get on top of this, right? Yeah, I think, look, don't let another year go by. It's an easy thing to defer. Um, I've had even clients say, look, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that in, in next year. And it's like, okay, well, Normally, disability and death doesn't um, come at a time when you plan for it to come. Uh, it's harsh, but it, it's reality. And a lot of people every year experience um, the difficulties, extra difficulties, because they, they've gone into that situation and they didn't have that sorted out. All right, guys, call to action. Get out there, get it sorted. Tim, so lovely to chat to you. Maybe we'll talk about a happier topic next week, Tim. I reckon. (laughs) I reckon. All right, we're gonna we're gonna make the next one just a barrel of laughs, okay? Cool. All right, Tim, see you next week. Bye. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.